You are listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Let me, let me start um, with a personal story. So um, a couple of years ago, I was asked to do the memorial service for my aunt, okay? She had died. She was a pastor's wife. She had been in rural Maryland for a lot of years, and she was 86 years old, and so I was asked to do her memorial service. And while uh, I was doing the memorial service, there was a picture that popped up on the screen that I'll share with you in just a moment that I had never seen before about my personal heritage. Let me just go back a little bit. So my family, historically, were not always believers in Jesus Christ. In fact, my dad's dad grew up very much hostile to Christianity. He grew up in the mountains of, of rural Maryland, Maryland, a little town called Lonaconi. And uh, he was very angry because his dad had been a chronic alcoholic. He was the oldest of 12 kids. His dad had basically abandoned the family. So my grandpa had to quit school at an early age to work to support the family, and he was just dealing with the pain of growing up in a dysfunctional situation. And so, you know, the family would recount that any time he went from his farm into town, he was always in a fight. So, so grandpa was always in a fight, and he was, he was miserable, he was depressed. Uh, he wasn't a drinker, but he was just living out of the pain of his life. And um, he was the last person in town that they thought would ever go to church. Okay, and and so this was this was my, my my dad was nine years old when this event this event happened. I'm going to describe to you. So so uh, my f- grandfather was walking through the small town he was a part of, and there was an outdoor tent service with an evangelist that was preaching. And as the evangelist was preaching, my grandpa stood on the outside of that tent. And he heard the gospel and understood it, I think, for the first time. He heard about Jesus could change your life. And when the end of the service came, to everyone's astonishment, my angry, depressed grandpa walked to the front and gave his life to Jesus Christ. And he was forever changed from that moment on. He became a totally different human being. The bitterness and anger left him. He went into a place where now he wanted so many, so many people to hear the gospel. He would actually go out. Now, this isn't the methodology of today, but let me just take you back to the 1950s, all right? He would go down to the local train depot and have a megaphone on Friday nights, and he would preach the gospel. My, my, my dad and her, his, his two sisters would sing, and then someone would give a testimony that he preached the gospel, and people would get saved on a Friday night, and he ran the bus to bring people to church. Anytime someone told a story about what God was doing, this hardened man now had become soft, and tears would roll down his face. Okay, so he raised my father. My father eventually felt called to be a pastor, and, and so he, he my, my mom married, and of course, now I'm, I'm serving God, and I grew up in an amazing home, and now I have five kids, and all five of them serve God, and I got seven grandkids, and so listen, here's, here's the picture. Here's the picture. When, when I was doing the memorial service, they put this picture up on the screen. Can you show? This is my granddad getting baptized 72 years ago. Can you see him now? He's, he's standing there. He's got his hand raised. He's making his decision. Now, baptism, you remember what this is. It's a declaration that my old life is gone. Just like Jesus died and was buried, I too now come to new life and I can start fresh. Okay, that's my grandpa. This is my grandma. It's my Aunt Margaret. That's my Aunt Ruth. And right up there on the, on the shore is my daddy. And I, I saw this 72-year-old picture 
And I said, this is the moment that changed everything for my family line. Right here, holy moment on the screen. I was like, how, isn't that incredible? Yeah, because listen, listen, there is something that happens when you respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that is he not only is able to change your life, can I get an amen from somebody? He can change your children's lives and your grandchildren's lives and your great-grandchildren's because that's how powerful the gospel of Jesus Christ is. Now, I start there today because you're in a series called Counterculture, and what I just said, a lot of people in our culture would look at it and say, really? I mean, does anybody really change? In fact, you hear some people who've been through life and they've been hurt by people and they look at some of the people in their life who've been difficult on them and they, they say, then people just don't change. I mean, they are what they are. They may show little moments or glimmers of change, but, but no one really makes any kind of significant change. Or, or how about this? You know, basically generations are doomed to repeat the, the, the patterns and curses of generations past. And a lot of people sort of fall into this trap where they'll say, you know, my family has always been this and that means we will probably be this and oh boy, I'm afraid my kids aren't this because that's just been a part of our generational history. And so it's almost like whatever has been is what we're doomed to, to repeat. People don't really change. Generational patterns will repeat themselves. And, and then I think especially in our era, a lot of people think this, is this thing we're talking about Christian Christianity really a real thing? I mean, does going to church and being involved in community and uh, does it really offer anybody hope or isn't this just a bunch of myths and fairy tales that sort of make people feel good for a moment but really doesn't accomplish anything in life? These are questions and belief systems of our culture. But there is something recorded in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now remember in the series you've been studying through Corinthians and Paul's writings to the Corinthian church. And he talks about some very counterculture concepts. And today, listen, we are going to talk about the most important concept in all of human history. I know that sounds like I'm overselling it, but let me just pause for a minute. The most important concept in Christianity. In fact, if this concept right here is not true, then everything that we believe and everything that we do as a church makes no sense at all. Now, now here's, here's the context. Roman, excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 3. If you want to turn in your Bibles, you can. We'll put the verses on the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. And here's Paul. He says, for what I passed on to you is of first importance. I told you, this is, this is the most important thing. Paul says, let's elevate this. This is more important than anything else you're going you're gonna to hear from me. It's of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, he says. Next verse. And that he was buried, and then this, that he was raised on the third day according to the, the scriptures. Now, let me just pause for a moment and describe what he said. What was passed on to me, I'm now giving to you. Most likely, the early church was using this as a creed of sorts because they didn't have a written Bible to carry with them, or I should say a device that they could pop open and find the Bible on their YouVersion app. Uh, they, they had to repeat things to memorize them, and so he's, he's giving them a creed. Look, this is what we all believe. It's the first importance, right? That Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried, and then on the third day he was raised from the grave according to the scriptures, and he appeared to Cephas. Okay, different name for Peter. Um, this is Aramaic. Peter's name is a Greek name, so Joe Jose. 
say, we get that, right? Same guy, Cephas, Peter, same guy. And then to the 12, you know, Jesus appeared alive to the 12. Then the next verse, verse six, after that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. And then he says, and then he appeared to James and to all the apostles. And then last of all, he appeared to me. As one who is abnormally born. Okay, what's this thing of most first importance? Here's the thing. He's saying Jesus Christ came back from the dead. He, Jesus Christ, he died for our sins. We get that. He was buried in the ground, but he didn't stay dead. He rose from the grave, and he's alive today. And it's not just a myth or a figment of someone's imagination or a fairy tale. He actually appeared to people after his resurrection. Now, he doesn't quote this, but you understand even in the book of John... Jesus appears to Thomas and he says, I know you doubt whether or not I'm alive or not, but you can put your finger in the wounds in my wrists and side if you need to, to prove it to yourself. So 500 people, he showed up alive to prove to them that he was raised from the dead. And then he says, he appeared to Paul. Now, uh, we understand Acts chapter 9 that Jesus, after his ascension, appears to Paul and speaks to him from the heavens. Let's go ahead and, and read on. It says, from the least of the apostles, and I don't even deserve to be called an apostle because I have a past. He says, I was so zealous for my faith that I thought Christ wasn't the Messiah, that I persecuted the church of God. And then verse 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace that was at work within me. And then verse 11 says, whether then it is, it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what we believe. So Paul says, look, I'm evidence. I've been changed. Look at me. You know what I was before. You can see what I am today. I am proof of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he says. Now, what's the most important thing? What's the most countercultural thing? What's the thing that all of Christianity is based upon? It's this. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And here's the thought I want to give you today. Since Jesus is alive, anything is possible. Okay? Now, now let me just, yeah, give it up for that. Isn't that awesome? Because, listen, what is more difficult than beating death? No one ever has except him. And so now here we believe if Jesus could be buried in the ground for three days and come back from the dead, then there is something different about him and there is something different about the message of Christianity. So, so we, we take away the resurrection of Jesus and all you have is a religion with a lot of nice principles and platitudes. But with the resurrection of Jesus, it means Jesus Christ not only came back from the dead, he's alive today. And he can change you when you put your faith in him. So my granddaddy, when he put his faith in Christ, became a different man, and it set a trajectory of change that now reverberates five generations later. And when he came up out of the water and he said, just as Jesus was raised, I now am raised to new life in Christ. So, so let me just give you some hope today. If you, if you are um, a follower of Jesus Christ and you forgot this thing that is of central importance, let me just tell you, since Jesus is alive, anything is possible. If you are a person that's a little skeptical and you're not sure about this whole Christianity thing, let me just say Christianity isn't so much about religion. It's not so much about churches. It's not just about religious institutions. It's about a person. Christianity is about the person of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, come down from heaven to 
to save us from our sin. Risen from the dead today. Listen, if you want to know about Christianity, stop looking at people. Start looking at the person of Jesus Christ. Because since Jesus is alive, anything is possible. Hallelujah. Now, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul then goes on to say, some people doubt this. Actually, you may have covered this already in your countercultural series, but there was a very popular belief system called Gnosis, which basically said, oh, okay, if Jesus came back, it was probably more like a spirit or a ghost. It wasn't, it wasn't material. It wasn't real. It wasn't solid. It was, it's sort of like we can believe, okay, yes, he's dead, but his spirit somehow visits us. And Paul is saying, look, if Jesus didn't come back physically, if he didn't really conquer death, then that's just a nice sort of sentimental feeling that we all have, that maybe he's around somewhere. But if Jesus is truly alive, then, then it, all bets are off, so to speak, then anything's possible. So, so let's just walk through. We're going to talk about five things that are realities because Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. Let me take you into the doubts now. First, First Corinthians chapter 15, uh, go to the next few verses if you would. Uh, so it says, but if, Christ, if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no such thing? That it's more just, uh, you know, a mist of some kind, um, a sentimental presence of some kind. If, if this hasn't happened, then that means everything we're building our faith on makes no sense at all. Verse 17 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and if Christ has not been raised, if this isn't true, so we say, since Jesus is alive, anything's possible. Basically, we say, if he's not really alive, then nothing is possible. That your faith is futile. And here's what he says, and you're actually still in your sins. Then all who have fallen asleep, that means code for have died, right, are lost. And there is no heaven and there's no eternity. If this fact of the resurrection is called into question, then this is the centerpiece and everything around it starts to fall apart. But since Jesus is alive, anything is possible. Amen? So why don't we say it out loud? So say it, repeat after me. Since Jesus is alive... Anything is possible. Turn to your neighbor, say anything is possible, right? Okay, okay. So five things, five things real quick we'll walk through. Number one, first thing, my sins are forgiven. Since Jesus is alive, my sins are forgiven. You see, Jesus died on the cross for you. You know, you, you are a sinner, so am I. I, I am, I'm separated from God because of my sin on my own. Jesus came into the world as the perfect son of God, not just the son of God, but now the son of God in human form. And he becomes my substitute in death. And when he went to the cross, he went there and he took my sin upon himself and he took your sin upon himself so that it could be paid for. Romans 6 says, the wages of sin is death. And so he died in my place to pay for my sin. Now, he did this not out of sympathy. It wasn't just, I love you so much, and I feel so sad that you're damaged, and so I'm going to step in your place. He did it out of necessity, because you see, all of us had a virus inside, so to speak, that corrupts our being, that whether we like it or not, this selfish gene, this sinful gene, has a tendency to bring us into a place of implosion and death. And so God, wanting to rescue us from our condition of sinfulness, sent a perfect substitute, Jesus Christ. And when he took the, the sin of my life and yours upon himself on the cross, he absorbed it into himself. But if he had just died in my place sympathetically, that would have been real wonderful and everything, but it would have provided me no cure. 
But you see, because he absorbed sin in himself and sin did not permanently destroy him, but he rose from the grave, he offers an antidote to the virus that you have. And when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you get a cleansing from that sin inside so that no longer do you have to die from the corruption that comes from sin. You can have a cleansing for your system that sets you free. Can I get an amen from somebody? Yeah, First John chapter Chapter, chapter, I think it is one, verse nine says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to cleanse us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And that word purify is a really interesting word. It means to pull out of the fabric of something. How many of you have ever seen one of the detergent commercials on, on television, you know, where they have a stain they can't get out? Right? And so, and they look at the stain. Oh man, what am I going to do? And then they put the magic detergent, they spray it on, or whatever they're going to do, and they throw it in the washing machine, and then the bubbles come. Right, and, and you can see live action right there pulls the stain out of the fabric, and then they pull out, and it's clean again. Okay, that's the idea. That word purify means to expiate. It means the blood of Jesus comes and pulls out of the fabric of your soul the sin and virus that could destroy your life. Jesus is raised from the dead, therefore my sins are forgiven. Number two, second thing is possible. Since Jesus is alive, anything's possible. Number two, second thing is my soul is set free. That which I was bound by before no longer has to dominate my life. I can be free in Christ. The things that I was addicted to don't have to have a hold on me like they once did. The, 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 the emotions, the wounds of my past that used to hold me down and pin me to the ground no longer have to be the marks upon my life because there is something different going on inside. Now let me read a couple more verses to you. Um, we see here verse 14 of 1 Corinthians 14. And if Christ has not been raised... Our preaching is useless, and so is your faith, because you're putting your faith in something that has no punch. It's just believing in, you know, something that is, is a great thought, but has no capacity to it. But let me, let me go to another one of Paul's writings, Romans chapter 10, or excuse me, 8, verse 11 says this, if the spirit of him, this is actually what happens to you when you give your life to Jesus Christ. It's not just that your sin is expiated or pulled out of the fabric of your soul, but the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you. The same, if the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, the Holy Spirit of God living in you, okay, then it says, he, he who raised Jesus from the dead also gives power to your mortal bodies because of his spirit which lives in you. It's like you've been changed from the inside out. You say, but I don't have the power. I know you don't, but the Holy Spirit does. You say, but I only feel discouragement. I know, but the Holy Spirit has joy to share with you today. You say, but I just feel confused. I know, but the Spirit of God has peace that passes understanding. Listen, you don't have to live out of your own strength anymore because the same spirit that raised Jesus, he can raise you up and do things in you that you never thought were possible. 
Oh, so one, one, of the great, one of the great little words that we find in the Greek is a word in, in Romans chapter 12. It, it's the word metamorpho, which is a t- kind of sister to the word metamorphosis. And you know, that's a, a transformation that happens. And you know how, how we think of caterpillar butterfly transformation, right? Many of us have been living a caterpillar life right? We've been crawling around like a big old hairy bug, and we feel like we're just nothing in life, right? And if you look at your old caterpillar self, you say, there's not so much hope for you, brother. I'm not sure what we're going to do with you. But then, look, when the the caterpillar goes into the cocoon and comes out transformed, it has wings and beautiful colors, and all of a sudden you say, is this related to that? How can that be? It's a, it's a metamorphosis. It's a transformation. So look, let me just tell you, when you give your life to Jesus, you are no longer the same old ugly caterpillar crawling on the ground. You now have wings to soar because there has been a transformation in here. See, if Jesus is raised from the dead, anything's possible. That means you can be, look, you say, I don't know if I'll ever be free from this, Pastor Jeff. On your own, I don't know either, but I do know this. The Holy Spirit's more powerful than whatever it is that you face. <laughs> and so if you just lean into him, if you let him have a chance, wow, anything's possible. Here's the third thing. Because Jesus is alive, my body can be healed. I, I have heard story after story. I have seen miracle after miracle that when we call on the name of Jesus Christ, he is able to visit us and bring healing. And, uh, let me just ask curiously, how many of you have been prayed for at some point and you say, I believe God has healed my body in some way, shape, or form? All right. I, I just tell you, he is a healer. He is a healer. I, and especially when we start to talk about the resurrection. Okay, one of my favorite moments that ever happened in my life happened when I was in Uganda. I was there because there was an evangelist we were working with that was preaching um, outdoor meetings in the evenings, and he brought me along to teach the pastors in the area during the day. And I was preaching in sort of an outdoor setting where anybody could walk in if they wanted to, but it was really designed just for pastors. And in the evening, the evangelist was preaching, and he was primarily preaching about, about this fact that we're talking about today. So it was a culture had never heard about Jesus before, so almost every night he would preach. Let me just tell you who he is. He, he, Jesus came. He's the Son of God. He died for you on the cross. He rose from the grave. He's alive today. And because he's alive, anything's possible. In fact, he would say, Jesus can heal your body. And so I'm teaching in the middle of the day, and there was an old man from one of the villages that showed up on the outskirts of my meeting, and he was making some noise. In fact, he had his cane with him, and he was beating on the ground, beating on the posts. And so I looked over to my interpreter, and I said, what in the world is happening with this guy? And he said to me, um, he has come because... He's here for his healing. And I said, what, what? And he said, well, he heard in the evenings, Jesus is alive and that God can heal your bodies. And so he's here to get his healing. And I said, well, what's his problem? He said, well, he can't see. And so here I am teaching the pastors on how to pray for people. And a guy shows up in the back pounding his cane. I want to be healed. So I had to make the decision. What am I going to do? I'm kind of out here on Front Street because I'm teaching about prayer. And if I don't pray for him, Everybody listening, and he's like, well, pastor, I thought you believed in this stuff, right? But if I do, and nothing happens, what do I do then? How many of you are with me, right? So I was like, okay, I'm going to take this risk. So we brought him to the front. You could see his eyes were covered over with white, like cataracts, fully covering both eyes. And I asked him through the interpreter, why are you here? He said, well, I heard Jesus is alive, and he heals people. I've come from my healing. 
I was like, okay, we're going to pray. So pastor, stretch out your hand. I put my hands on his face. In the name of Jesus, I said, who's risen from the dead, open these eyes. And as I, boy, I prayed as hard as you can imagine I've ever prayed in my life right there. I opened these eyes. And when he opened his eyes, they were still white. And I was like, well, let's try again. (laughs) So put my hand in the name of Jesus. And boy, nothing happened at all. So I, I was like, what do I do? So I said, well, listen, some miracles in the Bible don't happen right away. Sometimes they happen later. So look, in faith, I say, as you walk home, brother, you keep on claiming Jesus has, has healed my eyes. And so I went, I went back to my room that afternoon. I was a little bit bummed out. And then I was sitting up on the stage as the pastor was getting ready to preach uh, in that evening service. You know, the evangelist was preaching. And I noticed sitting on the front of, in the grass, there was a guy who looked just like that guy that I prayed for, except his eyes were clear. And so I, I looked at him like this, and I, I thought, well, is that the guy? I was sitting up. So I went like this, and he then mimicked me. He went and waved his arm. And then I went like that, and he waved his arm like this. So I said to my interpreter, can you go find out, is that the guy we prayed for? And he came back, and he said, it is. So I went down, and I said, bro, what happened? He said, it was just like you said, Pastor. As I was walking home, my eyes started to clearing up, and now I can see. Wow. <laughs> I was more excited than he was, honestly. I was like, yeah, wow, can you believe it? Right, because listen, it wasn't me. It's Jesus. Jesus is alive. You see, he didn't come because he heard Pastor Jeff Leak was in the house. He heard because he heard the message for the first time, Jesus is alive. And if Jesus is alive, anything's possible. Wow, can you imagine? Okay, here's the fourth thing. The fourth thing, my sins are forgiven. My soul is set free. My body can be healed. My past can be redeemed. I'm no longer who I was. Look, this is what baptism is a symbol of. When my grandpa got baptized, he was dipped under the water, and he was like Jesus was buried, right? He died and was buried, and he was raised to new life. And basically, he said, 1950, with his hands raised, he went down to that water, and he says, I'm no longer who I used to be. I'm now changed. I'm redeemed. Paul, when he was writing the verses in chapter 15, he said, I am the least of the apostles because I had a past. Look, you know my past. I was messed up. I was, I was terrorizing people who were people of faith, But now I'm preaching this, Jesus, because I am no longer who I was. I am who he's made me to be. Let me just tell you today, you are no longer who you were. You are who he's made you to be. This is one of the benefits. Not just sin is forgiven, but he sets you free from your past so that you can be redeemed and restored and rebooted and given a new chance and a fresh start. Thank you, Jesus. Since Jesus is alive, anything is possible. I'm so grateful to that. You know, a, a really big a mentor in my life was famous for saying this, and I, I think this provides such clarity, and, and it's this. Jesus did not come into the world and die on the cross to make bad people good. Sometimes we think this is the gospel. He's going to take you, you're really bad, he's going to change you into something good. No, no. Jesus came, died on the cross, rose from the grave to make dead people live. Can I say that again? He didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live because you were dead in your sins. You were incapable on your own. But when you give your life to Christ, he takes you from a place not just of sin, but of spiritual death and to bring into you life that is forever different. Fifth thing that he does for us because he's risen from the dead 
is this, that my death is not final. Because listen, let me give you good news. Those who believe that Jesus just sort of came back as like a ghost or a spirit didn't get the full meaning of what the resurrection means for you and me forever. Do you know that you will have one day a body just like Jesus' resurrected body? That means this old body's one day going to die, and they're going to bury it in the ground. But because Jesus is alive, you too will be raised to new life. And when you're raised to new life, you will get the same kind of body. If you read later the rest of the verses in 1 Corinthians 15, you'll see this taught all throughout that same chapter. You're going to get a body the same as Jesus' body. Now, I don't know if you thought about that lately, but this is kind of a cool thing. You aren't just going to be floating on a cloud somewhere with a harp and sort of bored all throughout eternity. Sometimes that's the picture we have of heaven. No, you'll be physical. Do you know when Jesus came back from the dead, he ate breakfast with the disciples. Can I get an amen for food in heaven? Come on. Yes. He was known. He was touchable. He was real. He was physical. Listen, you're going to eat in heaven, but there's going to be no calories in that food. Can I get an amen? You are going to have a perfect body. Listen, Jesus' body, the disciples were locked in a room, and Jesus walked through the wall. I'm ready to try that right there. Our body's going to be eternal, spiritual, physical. You'll be known. You'll be able to live without the sin nature on you, without those old pulls from this life. You'll now be set free once and for all and forever. And this is what we look forward to, just as Jesus was raised from the dead. So one day I am going to as well. And I'm going to enjoy eternity the way that God originally intended for me to enjoy it. See, since Jesus is alive, anything's possible. Just a few weeks ago, my mother-in-law passed away. And uh, she had several strokes. And in the last 10 days of her life, really struggled to function here. So people would come into the room. She wouldn't recognize them all the time. She had a hard time stringing together sentences. We knew she was going to eventually pass. She was 78 years old, had served God for many years as a pastor's wife. But something was active inside her even when her brain wasn't working. So when they would start to sing, even though she couldn't necessarily quote things to you, her spirit, the Holy Spirit inside of her, would sing. And she could sing all the words as they worshiped. Sometimes they would start to sing and then she would start to pray. And when she prayed, she prayed intelligently. In fact, one of their pastor friends came in the room and she had been praying and she saw him and and she sat up in her bed, which she hadn't been able to do for a while, and put her hand on him and prophesied over him and then laid back down and couldn't do anything for the next day. You know what that tells me? There is a whole lot more to you than your body in this life. So when she, when she passed away, this is kind of cool. I'll give you this detail. You know the song, The Blessing, The Lord Bless You and Keep You? She had her stroke at the end of a church service while that was playing. And then they had worship music playing in the room. And, and the final song that came on when she died was The Blessing. It was like her spirit and said, time to go. And so one day, I know we're going to see my mother-in-law in heaven. My dad died last September. I know I'm going to see my dad again. Because you see, since Jesus is alive, can you say it with me? Anything is possible. Can we turn our faces toward heaven? Thank you, Jesus, for this truth today. We know that today we have a hope that's solid, that's real, that's not a myth, that's not a mist. It's based on something that, that is an event in history that's changed the world. So we pray, start a generational change in me today. 
as we surrender to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.